Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Oh, it's Ernst Hilger, H-I-L-G-E-R. And one of the things I always wonder about people that get into the creative industries is how do they even get to the creative industry? So were your parents creative? Did you have some great schoolings? Like how did you even get to the point of a... Happenstance, just just happened. The gallery is 50 years now, so I have no more strong memories except that one day I started selling prints and then from there we go well how did you even so you were in business and then you just said hey i could sell prints no no I'm, i was studying economics and i was on the board of on the student board in charge of cultural activities and i organized concerts and uh, many 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 important artists one day somebody called and said uh, i have this idea of making it cheap prints for, for students. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. And that's how it started. Sometimes it's just as easy as that. At that time, it was easy. Now you need to know a lot. You have to be studying a lot. You have to be uh, really in the, in the... But at that time, I mean, you just walked up to an artist that you liked and said, uh, hi, work with me. And most even the famous ones at the times were open. There were very few galleries, so it was easy. So what what's uh, changed over those many years now? I mean, you you are one of the more established galleries in, in, Vienna. in Europe. And Vienna, okay. I was yeah. going to give you Europe, but okay, well, you can take Vienna. Yeah, sure. I mean, Europe, uh, I mean, many things have changed, so... I mean, at that time we had, I mean, neither computers nor fax nor anything. We just had slowly Polaroid was coming and uh, telephone was expensive. So in order to have uh, contact with the Americas, you had to spend a lot of money to contact. But usually you wrote letters and then it took like three or four weeks till the letter came and the answer came. So, I mean... That was easy. And I still remember when I'm, I mean, I stayed in Basel for 35 years as an exhibitor. But the first year that I came, I wrote to them that I would like to participate at the fair. And they wrote back and said, oh, it's very nice of you, Mr. Hilger, that you want to participate. How much space would you like? And from there on, I was there. I mean, today you need to have references and you need to have... uh, background you need to have a super website and uh, you need to have uh, i mean nowadays you even need to be from the right country because they want all the world to be represented and i mean they have four austrian galleries now or three and that's enough at that time we were i think 24 austrian galleries well that's one thing that i noticed about you that i found very interesting which is that you while you are based in austria you chose to represent a number of artists from some international locations and you even opened up a second location i believe called next that is sort of focused on that well but that is only now i mean i had a i had a space in 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 frankfurt for four years five years that was the beginning of the 90s and then um, later on i had a space in paris for five or six years in the Marais. 
I had the chance to open up a big space here for contemporary, which I used for 10 years. And in the meantime, I even had a, uh, an activity in, um, in New Jersey at, uh, yeah, for two years I exhibited at, um, let me, let me think this was called, I forgot the name. It's, um, where now all the collectors store, store their stuff. Um, so I'm sure, you know, in Jersey. No, I don't know. Oh, it's, in, it's, in, it was in Jersey, Jersey city. We exhibited there for two years because the people that were there, they invited us, so we got the space for free and we made a lot of exhibits. And in the, we even made some of them, we even made money. Yeah, I would imagine that it's getting more and more difficult with the proliferation of the internet and all these art fairs and all this stuff. I feel like there's a lot of more time, energy, and money that needs to be exerted in order to even make it so people still know you exist over top of all the other volume of stuff. It's still, this is true, but you also need to work really hard now. I mean, I have, I have this great advantage of being there for over 50 years. And uh, I mean, everybody knows me. And so I'm, I, I, I survive. I mean, I have exhibits which are great. And I have exhibits which are not well respected because it's young artists that the people don't know. I still feel more happy discovering artists than just showing things that are well established. On the other hand, the, 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 the artists that are well established, most of them are dead anyway, anyway now. So no, it's, it's true. I mean, um, I used always, I used to admire older well established artists. I used to work with them from, from Rainer to Nietzsche with everybody. And I published their prints or I, I did other things with them. But nowadays they're all 90, 95, if they're still alive. And many of the artists that I represented, for instance, American artists, I, for instance, I was always very much in love with Mel Ramos. I mean, because I bought the poster when I was 18 and I, and he died two years ago. And, um, and an other artist, Gunter Damisch, who is a very famous Austrian artist. He died like four years ago. And then I represented the sculpture, Alfred Rilitschka. And he died over 10 years ago. So, I mean, I'm not very good in, in, in doing estates. I'm, I'm, I'm very good in, in talking with artists and I love talking to artists. I mean, this is actually what made me stay with the business because artists are such incredible brains. They have so different views every day. Every day they look at the, at, at the world in a different way than you do. So you mentioned young artists and discovering artists. So even now, like, so how do you discover artists these days? Because one very good, one very good approach is that one artist tells me about an artist that he saw. That is a very, very good way. And then I work, I go around as I see, I see exhibitions and sometimes I just get touched. But of course, I mean, what happens with the young artists is they leave you after a certain time. I mean, one of them, the artist that has really left me minutes before he, I brought him into the Biennale in Venice was John Gerard. That it, he did the huge flag in, in LA. I discovered him. I sold all his computer. I showed him at the Basel Art Fair several times. And, and about four weeks before the Biennale, which I had helped set up, he told me, look, I don't want to be represented by you anymore. 
and things like that happened to me also. Like um, I have a, an Iranian artist that I think he was absolutely stunning as a person and as an as an artist, Sarah Rabor. I introduced her to the gallery in Dubai, and they told her, "Don't work with Hilga anymore. He's an old guy. We are he, you, your generation." So I mean, this happens all the time. I for a certain time I thought it was only happening to me, but then I read in the papers that even the biggest galleries lose their best artists because somebody tells them that they're better off at another gallery. So these days I discover artists. I don't give them any contract anymore. I just work with them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a trusted friend and um, I let them free from the beginning. So this way there's less wish to leave because they can always do what they want. And maybe that was the reason it's like having children, you know, if you tell them always you, they have to take your company, then they will run away. But if you just show them how it is, they might stay. I don't have children, so the artists are a sort of substitute for my children. So you mentioned contracts. So I grew up on the you know exclusive contracts or geographically located contracts. Is this not a general practice these days? No. First of all, I never had contracts like that. I always had understanding. The older artists, I told them, look, I will work for you day and night, and I want I don't want you to sell from the studio, and I, I don't want you to sell to somebody who's next to me. And that has always worked. And, and some artists have really uh, kept this more than written contracts. So I think a written, what does a written contract really do you? It does, it gives you nothing. We, I, there's always this history, you know, this history line. In the beginning, you are the most important person in the world for the artist. Then you are like a brother to him or you're like a, a family member and he loves you. If you really work good, he gets very famous. He doesn't need you anymore. So he only stays with you if he wants to. But what can you do if he doesn't want to? I mean, in the end, what you can do is, which I did is ask the artist, look, that's how much I invested. I want works. And usually, even without a contract, they understand that and they are very willing to do it. And if they're not willing, then you know what kind of guy he is or she is, and then you're better off without them. This is um, sounds very philosophical, but I'm now 70 and I've had I've seen all this. So I have enough and I draw a pension. So I mean, I'm not into it for the money anymore, not even for the success, because I've done everything. You have. Your CV is amazing. I've been the president of the European galleries. I've been the president of the Austrian galleries. The, the association that I founded in the 70s, now they just decided to go together again, and it'll continue to be. It's very nice. So you don't. I don't have to be anything anymore. I just have to be healthy and happy. That's what my artists want, and that's what my staff wants. And I'm happy to be in the gallery. The gallery is my the place I go every day, and it makes me happy to be here. Also with my second space in the 10th district. I mean, we don't have enormous amounts of visitors, but we sell, and we cover our costs, and we make a little profit. And this springtime, we had no fares at all. There's something which is very hard for other galleries and also for us is that most of the fairs don't return your down payments or they only give you a little. No, they only give you 25% or something. 
So that is, um, we lost about 120,000 euros this way, this, this springtime. That is a lot of money for a gallery. It's gone. So we tried to do this mini, these internet things. We, I accept every invitation for blogs and other talks, but it doesn't bring you a lot of money. It's just nice to stay on the wavelengths and stay in the mind of the people so that they don't forget you. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, this time with the, uh, you know, quarantines and all these other kinds of just concerns and people just not going out as much. And we are working in an industry where face to face and real life things are paramount. Sotheby's and, and Dorotheum, they tell me that internet auctions go very well. But it's not as, as good as, as what they did before, but still it's running. And um, I, I respect them a lot, and I'm, I'm, and I'm very happy that they still continue to work. But I can tell you, we sell almost nothing on the internet. We, have, we are at Artsy, we are at Artnet, we are at what, Art, Art World, whatever, wherever you can put your images on. And people, I mean, it's, it's too easy, you know? People just write, oh, please send me more information. And that's it. And we send them more information, and then they don't come back. The people that are known to us and the gallery friends, them I can send images and from them I get requests, but not really of strangers. Well, and that's a big question that I have about the sort of the existence of the social media and websites and, and then these proliferation of online sales platforms. Like, I don't feel like they are as effective as the public relations people seem to say they are. I agree with you, but I think it has to be done because if you don't do it, you're forgotten. Oh yeah. There's a balancing act. I mean, you have to be participating in it, but basically you can't rely on it. No, that's true. I'm absolutely with you there. I have no idea. Where are you based by the way? Oh, Prague. Oh, in Prague. I, I did. I know that you were somewhere in Europe. Um, yeah. I, I have a very good friend in Prague. I mean, it's a super good gallery. It's a young gallery. It's Lucy Dordova. You know her? I do. Yes. I think she's a really good friend of mine. From the beginning, she even curated some shows in my next space. I think she has an amazing gallery. I mean, her program is not my program, but I think she's really amazing. And um, I like the way she does. She gets all her heart, all her family, everything gets into the gallery. Indeed. Yeah, she, she's been around for a decent amount of years, not longer than I've been here anyways, but yeah. Yeah, she speaks fluently German, but probably also English. Indeed. So you mentioned curators. I'm always interested. So from a, like, well, let's go back a little bit of a step. Okay. If you were to define your space, would you consider yourself more of like an exhibition space or a commercial art space or a... Uh, like how how do you perceive like see yourself? Well, I see myself as somebody who, of course, has a commercial mind, and I show exhibitions that are commercial. But we also participate. For instance, um, ten years uh, uh, Vienna started this curated by project, which you probably heard about. We participated every year, except this year we will not participate because we have an artist who gets eighty this year. And we said he wants the September date. So we said, and it's pretty good because we also got some invitations to show at large museums for our 50 years. 
and but we would have to pay in advance some some costs and i'm very happy that i did not do any of them because the costs would be gone now i'd rather put the money in the gallery and make good exhibitions i mean we let them run longer now and we write to the people personally like you said it has to be but it's not what we expect from it right so curators i'm always fascinated by them i think that they're these sort of gatekeepers between the artists and the sort of the art market like they're the people that connect everything uh and they know everybody so that you seem to work with curators well maybe once or twice a year as i'm such a long time in the business i remember the time at the beginning of the 90s when all those curators were just studying and they came in groups and they wanted to hear how runs the gallery and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you really need curators. We need people knowledgeable about the arts and then uh, exchange ideas with them. But this idea of curators, it's, it's something for me, it's, it's very, I mean, it's a long time here. I remember I knew very well the German who did the, the document, I forgot this. I'm, I'm very bad with names at the moment. Uh, Me too. Harald Seemann. And we did, the, I, I worked for Siemens for many years to promote young art in, in Eastern countries. And we went to Sarajevo and he stayed in the same hotel as mine. And uh, I met him and said, look, come and see our show. There's lots of young artists. And he told me, I know everything. I don't need to go there. So since that time, I'm a little skeptic of curators because he was the, he was the king and he was the God of all curators, but he was not interested in knowing anything aside from what he knew already. And I think curiosity is the most important thing in our business. If you're not curious anymore, draw your pension and stay in the countryside. Well, that's what I'm doing here is I'm curious. And so I'm asking people like you for some assistance and some new knowledge that I simply couldn't get on my own. Well, whenever, whatever. I'm at your service. Lovely. Thank you. Okay. One thing I've always wondered, and, and for the life of me, I don't understand it at all. So bear with my stupidity on this question. Okay galleries when you want to work with institutions because you've done a lot of not work with institutions how does that business relationship dynamics how does it function because to a certain extent if in the short run it feels like it's a money potentially losing or like costly thing for an artist to be participating in an institution but then the i feel like it's the basically the, the elevation of their reputation by being part of that institution then turns around and makes their artwork worth more. Therefore, then the, in the long term, it benefits the gallery. Is Am I about right on that? Absolutely. I mean, you, oh, okay. you, you, you cannot explain it better. It's an investment in, in knowledge. It's an investment in reputation. If you want uh, your artists to succeed, you also have to help them get into institutions. I mean, um, we did uh, this 10 years for the Biennale in Venice with several artists. I don't know if it really will work out, but everywhere 
these artists get invited, the, the people say, oh, look, I saw your work. I know you were at the Biennale. So I'm not sure if it's really commercially, you can really one-on-one -on -one count on it, but it is, it is necessary, I think. And an artist who doesn't have any good exhibitions is not an artist that the collectors want. Collectors want artists that have rep reputation. And this is good galleries, good institutions, and of course, sales at auctions. But that comes at a later date. I was going to say sales at auctions for living artists to me is a very foreign thing. In the United States, auctions was, uh, you know, after they were passed away kind of thing. It wasn't so much for living artists, but it seems like it's pretty common in Europe for living artists later in their career to have their works in auctions. In America also. You have to look at the auctions only at the, ma the major evening auctions. It's where the super high prices come. Usually the artists are dead. But many times uh, works by living artists are in auctions. There is these auctions that are really going to the collectors or having collectors that want to sell. And we even have smaller auctions that go to the artists themselves and say, do you want to sell something? But that is something that is thrown the bomb. People don't like it. But many collectors think that at the, at the auction they get a better deal. Yeah, it is a common thought that auctions somehow do create better deals, unfortunately. Not always. Sometimes it also gets much higher. It's true. To work with a gallery as a collector has many advantages because you can always come back to the gallery and trade the work, something better, something bigger. You can follow the artist because the gallery follows the artist. At the, at the auction might have been one, one, one at a time. And then they don't, even, I mean, they, they do these wonderful books now and everything, but actually what they don't do is really follow an artist and put him in his right surroundings. They can hang up everything. They can put a, a 19th century painting next to any wall, or they can put a, a young artist next to a 16th century sculpture. So that is an advantage they have. In, in galleries, usually you try to, that the things are really working together. Okay, I have a theory. So bear with my theory on this. Yeah, sure about trying to build a strong reputation in the arts world. So whether it doesn't even matter which part of this yeah. theory you are, but I feel like it's like you get a good artist, a good collector, a good curator and a good gallery. And actually I've even put throw in publisher. And if you can, if somehow, if you can get good, reputable, all five of those things, yes then you, your reputation in the art world is, is solid. It is solid, but because um, people trust that the, the quality is good, if these people like you. Right. On the, on the other hand, if it's done through, I don't know, machinations or money, people find out sooner or later that the quality is not good. Right. So, yeah, I mean, because the thing is, is like when it comes to like book publishing and things like this, I've heard stories about like that self-publishing basically is bad, Yeah. That, uh, that you need an institution behind any sort of catalog or anything. Right. Like you need you need money behind every catalog. Yeah. 
but it but even just having an institution's name on it even if they just like sponsor it in air quotes kind of thing that having the name of the institution associated with it elevates it to a more yeah. reputable status that's true oh okay i love that you're just like agreeing with everything i'm saying i'm finally i finally i'm starting to learn things and i have some knowledge it's great okay i i'm only telling you things that um, you don't know if if you know things why should i speak against it I love it. Okay. Statements. I, this is something I um, have a lot of questions about in general. How important for you when you're either looking at either going to an exhibition or looking at a potential artist to work with or putting it in your own space and yeah. publishing a book and all this, yeah. how important is the text versus the artwork itself? The text? Yeah, so an artist's statement or a curator's text or no, something like I, that. I usually don't read these. <laughs> okay. Okay, that, that's easy. Love it. <laughs> I've got a little list as you're bringing up topics yeah, and I'm thought. crossing them off. That's fabulous. Okay. Do you st Are you still looking for new artists? Are you still keeping in touch and, and growing your roster? Um, I, st I have a, a couple of young artists that I follow at the moment, yes. Well, and that's the, one of the big questions that a lot of artists always wonder about is basically how can artists get on the radar of the galleries? Because we know, especially these days, walking in and cold calling galleries is, is stupid. No, but no galleries like that. As you mentioned before, relationships are good. Very Those good. are some of the best ways to do it. But devoid of like somebody who may not have those abilities to have those foster those relationships, are there other ways that artists can be seen by galleries? Very few, very few. I mean, the truth is that uh, we all we all believe that an artist has to have a surrounding, and if he doesn't have a surrounding, then um, there must be something wrong with his work. I love it. It's very poignant. That's good. We have no points of disagreement, so. I know. So it's going super smoothly. That's why I'm yeah. like, okay. Um, all right. How about the uh, moving forward? So devoid of necessarily like all the stuff that's going on with the quarantines and COVID and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Where do you see the role of galleries moving forward? And so like, basically, what are you planning for the future that you think will help to perpetuate and grow your existing business? That's a very good question. I'm thinking about that all the time. I think that the gallery as a, a point where people meet and see many things for the first time or not in a museum with the possibility to acquire, acquire it, uh, this this will not be exchanged for anything else. But what I think is that art fairs will get less and less important. I mean, when I started going to Basel, there were like, was 76, if I remember correctly, there was Cologne. And um, at the same time, there was FIAC in Paris. And also, of course, Armory Show in, Paris, in New York. But that was about all. And just a couple of years later, from Bologna to Tokyo, everybody had an art fair. And it became more and more difficult to find out where you have to be. 
then there was lots of co-fares coming like um, Freeze plus, 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 and Fiat plus, 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 and, and Basel plus, 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 and, uh, and they, all, um, they all drew a certain kind of collectors. But on the long run, they all had to change because the galleries changed. So you cannot become, uh, you cannot be a fair to discover things by raising the rent all the time, because then it's at one point or the other, the, the, the galleries that are discovering young art cannot afford it anymore. For me, for instance, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm still in love with Art Basel from many years. I was even on the committee some years. So now when I go there, I cannot afford anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm always collecting for myself, but there's nothing there. And uh, no, it's nothing there which I can afford. And everything that is there is, um, it starts at 20, 30, 40,000. And then I ask myself, how can they pay for their booth? I have found out that if I sell like half my booth, I will not have covered my costs. So, I mean, after a certain time, I'm, I got accustomed to the fact that I'm not there anymore. I don't feel that bad anymore because I think I would not be able to afford it anyway. I mean, you have to invite people, you have to make promotion, you pay your booth, and sooner or later you have spent more than 100,000 euro easily. But I mean, for this, you need at least to sell 300,000, at least, because 50%, I mean, all the collectors, they want discounts, they want uh, good prices, and so on, and so on, and so on. So, I mean, you need 300,000 in sales, and that's only to cover the costs. What you also need to do in the meantime is, I mean, you need to support the gallery before a good art fair was paying for a couple of months. Now you're happy if you have covered the cost of the fair. So I think, I think all this will change now. I think because people will not be able to afford the fairs, the fairs have all changed the dates. I just got a letter that Dusseldorf is only next year. They don't even they don't even do it this year, and then Basel is thinking of September, but they're not sure if in September will really work. And Cologne is in November, and at the moment they think it's going to work. And Miami, nobody knows what's happening there. Nobody's even talking about it. It will not ease off easily. So I mean, it, this year America you can forget, and America was always from collector side very good. So I think that will change and other things also. But I think the internet will not be the one to take over from the, from the, from the visual gallery because art is still something that you have to look at. If you want to buy something new, if you want to just buy like a Warhol or a Rauschenberg or Wesselmann or whatever, you know how they look so you can buy it at the internet. There's no need that you don't need an extra explanation. If you want a Wesselmann, you just buy an image that you like. And they all are the same. The same with Warhol, with all the other artists. Damien Hirst, you, you want dots. I mean, you know how they look, how they're done. I mean, it's true. I, I think he's a great artist, but still, but still, I think uh, that's easy to sell on the internet. But all the others that still need to be discovered is difficult. 
It will be interesting how this time is going to affect the sort of the future of the next generation of artists about what what methods they produce in, what materials they work in, and the scale of their work. You know, with with transportation be ch changing, with you know costs changing, with the the interests of the collectors changing. I think I think more and more artists will work with digital and video which has already been very strong in the East, mostly because it was easier for them to get a camera or uh, an iPhone than to get all the materials for a studio. And now the next step will be that uh, all over the world, the video and photographic and images. I have a friend who think in the business who thinks that young people will buy art that is after two years can be exchanged easily because they don't want to live with one painting forever. So they will buy like a digital or stream or something on their, on their projector on, and they have it on the, on the wall and uh, they, they just push a button and then another image comes up and they just pay for the right to have it for like two months or so, one year or two years. I don't know if that will be. For me, this will not, no longer be any importance. Yeah, that's like renting or, or leasing art with that will with be a... that will come i think that is something that is coming more and more also i mean we have a lot of stupid laws like the rather sweet and all these things no this is very bad because it keeps practically it keeps you from buying a young artist oh i'm sorry wait what was the law the rather sweet is this follow follow right where you have to pay when you're a gallery you have to pay by, if you are, if you buy something and if you sell something, you have to pay. So I mean, um, and, uh, like two percent or whatever. But this is, I mean, this you. The only thing you can do is buy sure things now. All the other things people will not buy anymore because they get fined for being in, investigative and buying new things. That's European law. I'm not a big art collector, so I don't know much about the that side of the business. Well, you should look it up. Rather sweet is the French word and Vorgerecht uh, is the German word. Well, are you talking about the, the organization Bildrecht? Yes, but they are only the ones that are collecting. The, the law by itself is done by the, by the States and by the European Union. The Bildrecht people are not bad. I mean, they, they, they try to do best for the artists, but I mean... I have nothing against them. It's not their fault that this comes about. It's an interesting dilemma for sure. Cause I mean, it's it theoretically it's trying to be helpful, but it's, it's helping it certain... helps the rich ones. They get more and more and more and the young ones who never get sold or never get bought, they don't get anything. I mean, maybe they get a little something, but I mean, as always, the richer get richer. And the, the poorer ones, they don't get anything. This is the law of the land, unfortunately. Hmm. You brought up collectors earlier and said that the United States is a good collector market. So, like, what have you have you seen that collector locations have changed? Yes. Like, where over the years? Because I mean, you have this great wealth of experience over decades. And so I'm interested in like a change in where collectors are located and even potentially what they collect for that matter. I see um, even the collectors that were very risky at the time are now getting more into established art. 
I mean, I used to be very good friends with the Margulies collection and uh, with, Perret, uh, with Perez and so on. And they all used to go with their heart and buy things which they liked. Now they more and more, they buy what their curators tell them or the art that is sort of uh, well de defended. And this is, I think, is, is a sad thing because um, what I liked about curators and all, all and all collectors is that they uh, go from their own heart. And the moment somebody else buys for them, it's, it's not even if they like it, it's no longer their heart. And I think um, heart was always an important part in my art in, in my world. Well, that's the balance of the the horrible nature that some people see art as a thing to love and appreciate and have in their home, and then other people see it as an investment. And it's also the fall of the banks that don't give you any interest rates anymore. So people try that art is a substitute for a bank account. I have never, I've never followed that, so I cannot say anything about that. Okay. What what about the regions though? Like, do you see different collectors sort of being stronger or more active in certain oh, parts every, of the world? Every country has its time, and the moment the people have more money, they start to get involved in art. You must understand if you just want to have a roof and food for your children, then you don't you're not interested in art. The moment you have a car, you have a house, you have things the bare necessities taken care of, then you can start about the other things. And very rarely somebody who has nothing gets involved in the art. Very rarely. That is, that is the world.